travellers, and welcome to You Should Have Been There. This time it's podcast 103 with me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder. And today's podcast is all about Qatar and its capital city, Doha, a blend of a little bit of ancient and an awful lot of modern past and future, if the spectacular new museum is to be believed. I've been scoping out the terrain for the lads of the England football team and possibly Scotland or Wales as well. And of course, the wags, the wives and girlfriends. And above all, the fans who will be visiting this little Gulf state later in the year for the next FIFA World Cup. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say about this unlikeliest of football venues. But first, we have a few matters arising from the last couple of podcasts. Our Room 101 of travel on travel fears and phobias attracted a terse but punchy reply from Anya Curtis. My travel fear used to be flying. I guess the implication there is um, not doing any flying at all at the moment. I reckon so. And the uh, subject of travel breakfasts in another podcast brought tears to the eyes of a listener known as Raising the Bar, spelt (laughs) B-double-A. Don't remind me. Just recovered from food poisoning after dodgy breakfast roll on a well-known airline. Thank you for ending my holiday on a high. Not... I should point out that U was spelt E-W-E, suggesting that at least raising the bar's wit was undamaged by the breakfast experience. And just so as we can get breakfast done, I think we all need to know what the Australian breakfast that you were just about to enjoy at the end of podcast 102, Simon in Sydney, was actually like. It was a very lonely experience because, as described, um, they'd abandoned the usual breakfast buffet because there were so few guests. But you just order up your poached eggs, your beans, your tomatoes, your mushrooms and your toast. It was very good indeed. Just uh, an extraordinary experience to be somewhere in the middle of a big city, which normally would be absolutely full of life. And it wasn't. It was just me and the... um, the long-suffering uh, waitress. But uh, I hope people will perhaps uh, try and get there. And if you do, well, you never know, you might end up going via Qatar. And if you are flying on Qatar Airways, then you can generally stop over in Qatar, which is uh, uh, what I did on my way back. And I was particularly keen to see the National Museum of Qatar, which opened in 2019. But for me and many other people, um, this is just about our first chance to see the thing. I think that's a fairly typical Doha soundscape. I'm just walking up to the National Museum. The call to prayer is happening. There's some birdsong in the tall plants that are decorating the approach to the museum and there's a gentle rumble of traffic the corniche which you might think would be a lovely coastal road is actually uh, a 12 lane highway i think at this point and there's just endless building work as well i'm trying to find my way into this building but let me describe it to you 
it is supposed to represent a desert rose and it is built i'm just going to have a look it looks as though it's metallic um, with really a series of leaves i'm right in the middle of it now i think goodness knows where the way in is um it <laughs> feels a little bit as though i've strayed into i don't know a um uh, architecture students vision of the future it is the color of sand which is important because we are very much in the desert and you can kind of thread your way between the leaves and well try and find out where the flipping entrance is well that's a kind of reverse travel nightmare but still worth a nomination for room 101 i reckon <laughs> it's not can't get out of a building but can't get in um, it, it was, was yes. that lack of signage because the museum is so new I, I i genuinely don't know but it was utterly unintuitive and all you want is a big sign with something saying <laughs> buy your ticket here then walk across to the main entrance here. Um, uh, and unlike pretty much every spectacular new building, um, like the Guggenheim in, in Bilbao, um, there was just no sense of, right, we're going to have an experience here. And um, here's, here's where it starts. Well, that mention of the Guggenheim um, brings me to another question. I mean, I suspect that the architect was uh, actually not a student, but was it Frank Gehry by any chance? No, it wasn't. It was the French architect Jean Nouvel, and it really is a spectacular addition to the landscape. Actually, um, before we carry on with your visit and find out whether you did ever manage to get in, um, <laughs> it might be worth trying to situate um, uh, Qatar and Doha for um, not just um, anyone listening, but also for me. Uh, I can't really <laughs> place it. And first of all, it is... Qatar, isn't it? And not the um, uh, unpleasant nasal condition, Qatar. <laughs> well, I, I think it's 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 one of those uh, Arabic uh, names that's quite difficult for us to pronounce, which might it's probably quite guttural kind of Qatar. But the location is, well, on the northern side of the Arabian Peninsula, really just a thumb of land about I calculate half the size of Wales um, protruding from from Saudi Arabia, um, looking across uh, the Gulf towards Bahrain in one direction, then across the UAE in the other direction. And um, yeah, about 3000 miles from 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 Streatham. OK, thanks for that. Let's let's get on with your visit. Well, it was a tricky old business. I couldn't see any um, museum staff, but I did bump into a very friendly security guard. Hello. Where is the entrance, sir? Entrance? Entrance. You have a ticket? No, I have no ticket. I would uh, like to buy one. You first get a ticket from there. Yes. Then you are going to enter through the other. Okay, it's quite confusing. They should put a sign up, shouldn't <laughs> no, they? No that, signs. No signs. And so everybody asks you, where are you from, sir? We are the signs for our museum. You are the signs. Yes. Well, a human sign. I'm That's from the, Uganda. Uganda, from Kampala? Yes, from Kampala. Beautiful city. <laughs> and how long have you been here in Qatar? In Qatar, just five months. Five months? Good. Yes. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh, Uganda are not playing in the World Cup, are they? Yeah. <laughs> Very sad. Uh, well, that's, sad. What, what is your good name? 
My good name? Yes. I'm called Daniel. 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 Sorry, yes. Daniel. My name is Simon. Simon. I'm very pleased to meet you. I'm from London. You are from? London, oh, England. England. London. Yes, we are in the uh, World Cup. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being a very good and very interesting human sign. Well, Samuel sounds very nice. Um, and uh, d- did the human signage work better than the uh, actual uh, absent signage? It, it did. I, I, it was really weird. I walked into what looked like a kind of just any old office and there was a metal detector which obviously didn't work or rather did work but nobody paid any attention and I walked through um at the end sitting behind a couple of computers were a couple of very nice ladies and they said oh you've come to see the museum and I said well that's the general idea and um uh, we exchanged some pleasantries and then they said um that's uh, 75 um uh reals and i thought hang on that's that's 15 quid um that seems quite a lot obviously um and i i said oh that that seemed quite a lot and they said oh all right um well why don't you have a free ticket then i thought well i will do and i i do pretend to be the man who pays his way but i just thought in this case a filthy rich um uh oil and gas state could probably afford it so i'm afraid i i took up their kind offer but um i've no idea where it came from all i can suggest is anybody else who follows in my footsteps just say oh have you got anything cheaper and they'll say yes here you are have a free ticket well good Good for you. Wow, stepping into the gallery. And once you actually make your way in here, this is just beautiful. Um, you're inside a kind of cave. Um, again, with the very, very sandy walls. Hello. Nice to see you. Thank you. And I'm not quite sure what's going on in the museum sense. There's an exhibition of hammers here. But I presume those are, oh, and axes, uh, various tools of a um, boat building nature, because presumably before they discovered the world's biggest reserves of natural gas, that was what they tended to do. Um, somebody who's possibly diving for pearls. Gosh, yes. Oh, we should all be diving for pearls after all. I'm just. Uh, Surrounded now by three, three uh, screens um, filling the walls. And that was a camel just um, walking past. And oh, hang on. Oh, and I've just uh, tripped over a thing that's supposed to stop you from um, uh, going beyond that point. Um, I urge you to come and see this structure because it is a magical concept and can I tell you what the most exciting thing is that I have just realized the floors aren't flat very very subtly you're actually walking uphill right now well no I am technically and they're all kind of curved so as well as the gentle curves of the walls these these petals um I'm, oh am I going the wrong way Ah, continue that way. way. Thank you. Sorry, I'm I'm a tourist. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm walking downhill and I've just realised that it's not it's not a kind of we've got to get you from one level to another. It's just we think it would be quite fun if you uh, were to undulate as you walk. So now I'm walking past a wooden boat. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, 
undulating floors. Did 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 I hear that right? Yes, you did. And obviously, this being a dry state, very largely, I um, it wasn't anything to do with uh, consumption of alcohol, and it, it was lovely, and it was a little bit like being at sea, where you were kind of having to compensate for the. The, the, the sort of tilts and the rolls in the flooring. So, uh, yeah, I mean, floors don't have to be flat. And um, this one definitely wasn't a uh, uh, perfectly enjoyable experience too. Was it supposed to remind the visitor that actually this was a nation that once made its um, living from the sea, do you think? I imagine it possibly was, yes. Uh, but it, at the moment, it, it just... Um, uh, reminds you that um, you can have a little bit of fun with architecture. <laughs> and what about the actual exhibits? Now, um, they seem quite diverse, disparate. I mean, even random. I mean, um, uh, a hammers yeah. um, and then sort of um, <laughs> uh, pictures or videos of camels, um, uh, some... Yes. Wait, were there actually pearl divers? No, are the photos of pearl divers? Anyway, what... what uh, yes, there was there was um, uh, the the equipment used by pearl divers, um, but it, random absolutely sums it up. There was some jewellery. There was a huge display of various um, sabers, weapons of, of various descriptions, scimitars, um, I, uh, examples of of the ancient crafts. Um, lots and lots of archive photos, particularly from kind of. Uh, the 1950s and 60s, which showed just what a different place it was. Um, and I guess the big the big kind of show piece is the Baroda carpet, which is this uh -huh. vast 18th century Indian carpet, which is distinguished by having well, precious gems actually woven into the fabric. And a, a fine piece of uh, embroidery it is too. So you're kind of led through uh, the history, aren't you? But but the actual state isn't very old, is it? Uh, it it's not. Um, generally, I mean, well, half a century was was when um, the UK effectively handed back power from what was then known as the Trucial States, basically ah. all these little Gulf um, Gulf states. And at that point, which pretty much coincided with. Um, uh, the soaring price of oil, um, it became um, clear that this was going to become one of the wealthiest places in the world, along, of course, with uh, uh, locations such as uh, Abu Dhabi, just along the coast. I guess we're, we're moving into the future now, but, oh, here we are. <laughs> right, I may have to take a picture of this. Um, card used to announce Qatar's victory in the contest to host the 2022 FIFA World Cup contest. Yes. Um, <laughs> Qatar beat rival bids from Australia, USA, Japan and South Korea. Um, yes, uh, they did. Um, uh, they, they, they did. Again, I guess victory, um, which was quite surprising to those of us who may know little about football, but we do know that Qatar are not at the races. Um, but uh, there's the official document telling the world that this is um, this is actually happening. And um, well, uh, it's going to be here in um, uh, where are we now? 
um, February, so nine months from now, yes, there will be there will be football and the stadia are just um, well uh, being put up randomly in the middle of nowhere. They they are. I have checked. Here we are. And since 2013, Qatar has maintained a trajectory of development, prosperity, and global influence. Um, there was a blockade, of course, for three to four years by pretty much every state around it. Uh, it brought, it says here, unprecedented challenges to the country and people, but the nation emerged stronger than ever. There we are. I had rather ignorantly assumed that Qatar was in fact one of the uh, uh, UAE, one of the United Arab Ooh. Emirates. But quite clearly, that would be a very big um, political <laughs> mistake to make, wouldn't it? Uh, it, it certainly would. Um, and actually, well, talking of the World Cup, uh, you can sort of see a case for having the World Cup in the Gulf so that you would have... Um, uh, some games in Qatar, some in Abu Dhabi, some in Dubai, in Bahrain, in Kuwait, uh, maybe one or two in Saudi Arabia. But that's not what we've got. Well, getting back to the museum, what did you like best? I think it was at the end. I was just about to exit via the gift shop when, again, <laughs> unsignposted, but uh, definitely <laughs> there, um, uh, I, I spied an actual piece of actual history. I can... Uh, see the old palace, which is um, uh, a, a, a beautiful building, which appears to have been pulled down. Hang on. Um, built in 1906, one of the most significant cultural heritage sites in Doha. Uh, oh, palace, palace, palace. There is a beautiful palace which has been moved here. There's also lots of kids and there's excitement because um, uh, there are um, pretend camels in there but here's here under under one of the leaves is the old royal palace and this is quite a nice idea I mean you can say well it's not really really here um, or it is simply a reconstruction but um, it is at least feeling like a bit of heritage and it's nice to be out of the uh, museum not least because I can now take my mask off and enjoy the calm of the evening the last of the daylight is disappearing behind the skyscrapers and I've had a lovely half hour's breeze through the National Museum of Qatar. Just a postscript, I'm now being driven by young Samuel, who's also from Nairobi in Kenya, through a car park um, on a golf buggy, which is very nice of him. I asked him where the metro station was, and um, he said, hop on, hop on. And so I have, and I think we can now see where it is. This is very good service. Is this just, is this for guests of the museum or people who can't walk very well? Everyone. Everyone, oh, that's great. What a lovely service. And here we are. And I think you've got customers to go back. And I am at the Metro station. Nobody is happier than me.
There we are. Nice to meet you, Samuel. Okay, thank you. Okay, have a nice evening. You Goodbye. Too. Goodbye. Well, that's what I call customer service. Um, do you think this is the kind of welcome that football fans will get? I think it is. Um, certainly from the expatriate workers there, it's so interesting. All the security guards, and I talked to an awful lot of them because I was trying to get into wow. various World Cup stadia. All the security guards are from uh, East Africa, almost all of them from Kenya, a few from um, uh, Uganda, all of them extremely friendly, um, very happy to chat. The taxi drivers are from Bangladesh, uh, some from Nepal, and everybody who works at the airport seems to be an Indian. Well, yes, actually, I'm not so surprised by that because I did do um, a minute amount of research before (laughs) chatting to you. (laughs) And um, I gather that of the 2.6 million people who make up the population of Qatar, 2.3 million of those are actually expatriates. That's astonishing, isn't it? Yes, I guess it's the same sort of pattern that you would get in other Gulf states, but it is particularly pronounced. Yes. So effectively, you've got what seven or eight expatriate workers serving the needs of um, the uh, 300 or thousand or so um, Qatari people. And well, on the underground, the beautifully constructed new metro, um, you definitely get the sense that... uh, Uh, Most of us are going to be travelling in um, standard class, uh, but not everyone. Let me tell you about this amazing metro. So it's very, very grandiose. It's got, can you believe, a first class. This is gold class I'm just walking into. It looks like a kind of... 1980s business class airline cabin there's also and i walked through it the family carriage which basically just means you're not going in there if you're male and you are not accompanying people so strongly to be recommended every ride costs just um 40 pence two reals and uh that will take you half the length of the country, which is half the size of Wales. Well, let's um, get on to some practicalities. Is getting around as easy as it seems from um, your experience on the Metro? It pretty much is, because although the Metro is not nearly as extensive as, say, London or Paris, it does get you to an awful lot of places. And then, well, I'm afraid Uber is the way forward after that there's a reasonable bus network which is really cheap and relatively efficient but um ubers will will get you around very efficiently for almost nothing yeah a ride across town might cost you a couple of pounds and i think an awful lot of people do that there's also a very funny driverless tram that just rattles around a little bit of the um uh newly created historic quarter in doha And, and and where are the stadiums? Are they just dotted around all, all over the place? They, they are very, very random. Um, so there's uh, about eight of them. And I particularly went to see the two, which are the main stadia. So the one where the opening match and the final will be held, which is the Al Bayat Stadium, which is about sort of 40 miles out of town. Um, 
it's not it's not like Wembley or indeed uh, any of the other London uh, grounds. And there's a, a stadium called Lusail, which is right at the far end of the metro. And it is literally here's a patch of desert. Let's put a stadium up here. Um, and in the case of Albayat, they've got some water features and a branch of McDonald's too. <laughs> it's it's just that there is no connection, of course, in Qatar with football. And it is the total opposite of all the other World Cups I've ever uh, had the joy to go to, where you've got a stadium, it's part of the community, it's got tradition, it's got history, people are excited, people come in, um, there's a great welcome to the fans, and they feel as though they're part of this great community. None of that, I'm afraid. Um, they're, they're quite quite lovely um, architecturally, but uh, um, obviously built by migrant labour. There's been quite a lot of uh, uh, revelations about the number of people who've sadly lost their lives. Um, and who knows what's going to happen to them afterwards, apart from many of them are going to be just dismantled and I think um, sold or given away. I read somewhere that um, uh, the uh, promoters, creators of Glastonbury, the Glastonbury Festival had been approached um, by the uh, Qataris um, to give their advice on how to put up a huge number of people, uh, is is is, is there, are there going to be camping facilities or are they hotels? Yeah, there are going to be some some desert camps, which I think sounds probably the most fun. Um, there's obviously a uh, hundred brand new hotels where I think the FIFA delegates will be very comfortable indeed. Um, a couple of cruise ships are going to be moored um, to allow fans to stay there. And there will be a little bit of airbnb as well. Um, however, I think um, most fans are going to be basing themselves probably somewhere like Dubai and then just flying in for uh. the matches. Um, and if you are tempted to go, well, I, I'm going to chuck out a couple of ideas. I haven't yet been able to establish if this is going to be happening, but Bahrain is only about 40 miles away. And if they reinstate a ferry link, then Bahrain will be absolutely the uh, my choice of somewhere to stay. And otherwise, you could always just uh, to keep costs down, pop yourself the other side of the Saudi frontier. It's easy to get a Saudi uh, visa these days and you can just stay um near the border and come in by bus um food and drink well the food is absolutely first rate a wonderful combination of great uh, indian food largely because of the um, uh, huge number of people from the subcontinent there and wonderful middle eastern um, uh, dishes uh but you're not going to be washing it down with um, too much alcohol it's reserved for hotel bars which are really very closed off from the rest of the public it's not like dubai and furthermore um there are going to be some drinking opportunities in the fan zones but if your idea of a world cup is to uh turn up at um 11 o'clock in the morning and get through a, a selection of well-known continental lagers then you're not going to have a great time uh, and, and and what about female fans and of course wags i mean are there going to be uh, restrictions on what they can do or what they should wear oh yes well the foreign office says um women should cover their shoulders and avoid wearing short skirts um if you do not dress modestly you may be asked to leave or denied entry to locations such as government buildings or shopping malls 
So there oh. we are. But you, you have been warned. Oh dear! Or indeed, the museum, presumably. But um, what is so? What is there to do then, apart from um, go to the museum and uh, or and or a shopping mall? Well, you'd be surprised how much in the Gulf area uh, shopping is the chief recreational activity. Oh, they've got a, a nicely recreated souk, which is perfectly pleasant. Um, there's a so-called cultural village um, called Katara, which uh, just north of the city centre, which is very pleasant. And beaches, of course, they they have got oh, some lovely yeah. beaches. But of course, you will not be um, uh, you, you will be modest about how you how you you use them so uh yeah it's, it's a pleasant place but certainly compared with uh all the other <laughs> countries which bid for the world cup and didn't get them uh, get the chance um uh that there, there are things to do when there isn't a match on the list is very very short <laughs> and in the Next podcast, we will be talking about the, well, dare I say, fallout from Russia's appalling invasion of uh, Ukraine and how it could change international travel. We're, of course, very keen to hear your thoughts about that. You can tweet us at you should have BT. You can leave us a voicemail, anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Meanwhile, from me, Simon Calder, back from Qatar. And from me, Mick Webb, who did at least get as far as Balham last night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.